What's up, everyone? Happy 2022. This is Dan Giffen. Welcome back to the Ableton Music Producer Podcast. I've got some great artists and guests lined up for this year. It's going to be a great year. I could feel it. Yeah, I hope all of you are staying healthy and safe out there. This is probably the very first Christmas I ever lost weight because I had COVID and that shit sucked. But thankfully, I'm good. I'm healthy now. And yeah, we're going to keep busting out more episodes. Today, we've got an amazing episode with Ambrose Deke. If you don't know him, he's a legendary Ableton certified trainer, a music producer, DJ, and educator. He is the winner of IMAP, which is one of the world's largest video mapping competitions. He took second place at the International Breakbeat Awards back in the day. He has shared the stage with a lot of major artists and a lot of artists that I really love, including The Glitch Mob, Tipper, The Chemical Brothers, and he's mixed tracks and worked for Gorillaz, Closey, Bill Gates, Mr. Bill, which we've had on the podcast, and many others. Ambrose is also the program manager currently of music production for the Los Angeles Film School. I had an amazing conversation with Ambrose. He's a super cool guy. Honestly, one of my favorite conversations I think I've had on the podcast. We talk about a lot of good random things, including the history of the country Hungary, which is where Ambrose is from. We talk about the evolution of music software from way back in the 80s. He shares his experiences working with a world-famous video mapping team called Limelight, and some funny stories about how he didn't realize it was a competition. <laughs> and he ended up winning IMAP, which is one of the world's biggest video mapping conventions and competitions. He talks about taking a break from music and how it's been a big healing experience for him. We also talk about the mental impact of social media on artists and creatives today. And he shares some of his approaches and vision for how he masters projects for artists. So yeah, it was a great episode. Make sure you stick around and listen through the end. Huge thanks to Ambrose for hanging out on the podcast. Make sure you give him a follow, a like, subscribe, and check out his website, which is all included in the show notes of this episode. If you didn't download the holiday gift that I shared with everybody, I included a lot of free downloads and racks and effects and samples and Ableton Live mixing cheat sheets and things. It's not too late. If you want to download that, go to liveproducersonline.com slash holiday. That's liveproducersonline.com slash holiday. If you want to join the newsletter and be the first to get new episodes when they come out and get more free goodies that I'll be sending out, go to liveproducersonline.com slash newsletter and join and connect with me there. Also, don't forget to join the Discord forum if you want to join the community that I started through this podcast and through my website and you just want to nerd out about Ableton stuff, then check out my Discord at liveproducersonline.com slash Discord. Also, if you don't own Ableton Live and you want to purchase the latest version, then I'd be happy to hook you up with a special deal. You can learn more about that at liveproducersonline.com slash buyableton. That's enough about all that. Let's go ahead and jump into this episode with Ambrose and hope you guys enjoy. Hello, hello. Hey, Ambrose, how you doing? Pretty good, man. Thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Doing awesome. Been following your photography on the gram the last couple of weeks. Oh, cool. That's awesome. I've just been putting out a lot of things that I kind of come across, you know, um, been having a lot of fun with it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Photography is like a whole different animal outside of the audio world that I've always been fascinated by, but I just never took the time or energy or spent my extra piggy bank 
on buying nice cameras to do it. It goes hand in hand, seems like with everything you've already done with audio and production and being involved with the LA Film School. But yeah, yeah. Your, your photography is really dope. Looks really great. I love it. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate that for sure. Thank you. Yeah. And you're in LA right now, right? Yeah, I am. Moved over here about um, five years ago now. You know, um, basically at, at one point it was kind of like I was coming here so often here to the U.S. that I was like, uh, I think at one point in 2015, I was here for six months on tour, like two tours, like three month tours each. And then I was back in Hungary, Budapest, where I'm originally from um, the, the rest of the year. So it was like kind of half and half, but I really enjoyed it. Everything kind of here more than than. And it was time for a change anyway. So I just kind of made the move. Yeah. Do you have most of your family, I assume, back in Hungary? Yeah, I, I really have two families, to be honest. I have a, a, my my family family. They're from they're there and they're all there. And actually, my um, one of my brothers kind of seems to jump around in between places a little bit. He's more like a he's moved around a little bit. He's he lived in. In, in Atlanta, Georgia for a little bit, and then uh, Greece for a few years and Germany. But really the rest of my family and, and, and most of them are back in Hungary. And I kind of have a new family here through my girlfriend, fiance, and they're here. So okay, the two families have not met yet. So it's kind of funny because it's going to be, um, you know, and be, because of COVID, we haven't really been able to get them introduced to each other and and yeah. you know and so it's going to be uh it's still yet to happen and, and it's going to be uh, a fun time for sure you know yeah oh for sure that's always interesting blending families my girlfriend's family and my family are complete opposite couldn't be any more opposite but somehow it works yeah so totally. what is what is hungry known for like if i was to ever go there what should i do um the the, the you know one word answer is nothing I'm kidding. No, it's uh, I, I'm I'm saying that because it does, and it is really a small country. So I, I totally never have, in my life have taken offense because someone like wasn't familiar. It is a small place um, that's small but mighty, though. To be fair, um, it's it, we're really known for goulash or goulash, as a lot of people here say it. Goulash is uh, it's you know sort of food. Hungarian yeah. cuisine is there's a lot of comfort food there. A lot yeah. of um, you know, um, food that isn't too healthy, but it's kind of cold there. So it's it, it comes from like being from like a poor kind of perspective where you have to kind of eat as much as you can because who knows what happens next or something. So there's a lot of food there that's maybe not too nutrition nutritious, um, not super like healthy or but but really good like stews and and that. So cuisine is one uh, that is really good for like I, I could compare it probably to like some of the Mexican food uh, out here, um, yeah. you know, that can be uh, the heavier ones, obviously uh, not the like ceviche and, uh, <clears throat> but, um, but yeah. And so there's others in, interesting when you look up uh, hungry and inventions or something, there's a disturbing amount of, of inventions um, originating from hungry, like the Rubik's cube, for instance, is like a, a guy called, you know, and then there's things like, um, the ballpoint pen and I was, I don't know what I was thinking, but yeah, there's a bunch of other things as well. That's funny. And, um, and yeah, so there's a lot of like inventions, the, uh, the nuclear bomb or something that's kind of somehow tied in with the, with the hunger. Well, it's the, one of the okay. researchers working on that was, so it says a lot of things. Yeah. I think in, in general, Hungarian people tend to be pretty creative and kind of pretty smart. 
yeah. except for those that are absolutely the opposite, you know? So yeah. it's, um, well, you're no exception in that field. I mean, you've done a lot of really interesting things and in work and, uh, I just did a quick search on what is Hungary known for, and it says number one, hot springs and thermal spas. Oh, I do that totally. That's that so tight. true. So true. Um, no, you're you're totally right. That's absolutely one of the a lot of people like whenever we had someone over, they always wanted to do like the, the spa experience and uh, like look them up. The, the, they're beautiful as well. And and um, like here, for instance, you know, Los Angeles. If we now went from here uh, to Hungary, then it would be like a whole shock of architecture. I think that would be like probably the first thing that everyone would notice how beautiful. To be honest, a lot of the a lot of the times, unless you're in downtown LA specifically, but if you're anywhere else, pretty much here in Los Angeles, then architecture really is a block, a, a, like a like a, you know like a, a block or a cube. People living in it, and yeah. I'm not trying to knock it or anything because LA is amazing for so many things but architecture or the lack thereof i, I would kind of say is, is definitely not one of them so yeah when you go there there's a lot like so the spas for instance are not only you know amazingly kind of um you know as an experience but also because you're that the whole setting is just absolutely stunning yeah yeah i think the whole uh flats architecture side of la a lot of it comes from like a an influence of more of like latino culture right and mm -hmm. like that like even farther south i think the how the homes were built very flat because of the terrain and because of like the heat and the way that like the environment is 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 built i'm not an architecture like connoisseur Expert. yeah i'm definitely not but that's Same. what i've heard yeah i don't know no it makes sense and and to be honest it's it's um it's interesting you said that because at one time I had a a friend of a friend visiting from Hungary and I asked them so what they, it's here in LA and I asked them what they think of uh, of, of LA and they said that oh um, interesting is that they always see like a large portion of the sky at any given time and it's something I hadn't really thought about mm. or it never had occurred to me previously and it really is so true so yeah. What you kind of lose, maybe I guess, in architecture, architecture, because there is well, some most places in LA, you really gain in in um, in 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 that amazing. Like it, it, it somehow it feels like there's a sense of kind of freedom. I think here because you always feel like you're there's a lot of like the sky right in front of you because there because the lack of tall buildings, of course. So, you know. Yeah, that is true. It is definitely a little more spread out rather than New York City, where it's all built up, which I used to live in. So oh, yeah, yeah, very, very different kind of aesthetic to the city for sure. But yeah, I'd love to get to know more about you. We could probably keep talking about like food and architecture, but I would love to get to know like your how you got involved in music for people listening that maybe don't know you who should just maybe share a little bit about your background. How did you get involved in music and then leading into becoming Ableton certified? Obviously, this is the Ableton podcast, but gotcha. yeah, love to hear that journey. Sure, sure, sure. So uh, I was 14 when um, it was just totally random way a, a friend of mine in school somewhere asked me if I played the drums. And I don't know why, because I used to be that person. I always kind of used to like tap on things, like surfaces of things and, and make a, a racket. Yeah, me too. I even got smacked for one, <laughs> one time because of that. That was back in the day when, you know, in, like teachers used to do that back in where I'm from, you know, I was from yeah. where I'm from. And anyway, so uh, yeah. And so I was like known to be this person kind of like tapping on things. And then I said, yeah, sure. I played the drums, maybe. I guess. And then, and then he's like, cause I have a guitar 
I don't know how to tune it or anything, but you could come over and we can kind of do like a jam session. And so I did, and there was no drum kit or anything, but there was like this old turntable and the lid of the turntables was something that the, the surf I was tapping on. And he had this guitar, he had no idea how to tune it, so it was completely out of tune. It's kind of a funny story, but but I do remember the distinctive um, sense of communicating. All of a sudden, when we start, we, we, we shut up, we, we stopped talking, we started kind of jamming. And it was like this instant, really um, like a very strong sense of we're having a conversation here. And, and, I, and I was hooked right away. It was like, oh, my, I, I need this. And I remember I could, I, when we stopped jamming, I was like, oh, my God, like we we were having this convo it was, and, and yet we were quiet and I couldn't kind of wrap my head around it at the time. And of course, I'm just talking about the fact that it's, you know, music is a way of communicating or something, but it just felt more pure, you know, it felt more yeah. like less like contaminated with shit is, it was just more pure. And so I was hooked right away. And so, you know, things happened very kind of quickly after that. And, and, was pretty fast how I got really sucked into this whole thing. It turned out that I had a, I was pretty good at it. Like interestingly, um, it was one of one of the very few things I was really not good at school. The point is, it was the the very few things that I I happened to be good at. And so you know, fast forward a year, I was playing in this band, and and we had quite some kind of you know um, small I guess at the time, but but following you know which was kind of a lot of the, a lot of it really got in my head really quickly to be honest because because it was it happened so fast and one of the the most prominent drummers in Hungary is like a, a jazz drummer um kind of uh, took me under his wing as a he was known to not really do that like he was famous kind of for having very few selective kind of a list of students of, of like always like three or four or something and you know that that was an opportunity that that just kind of presented itself about a year in or or something right after like at the age of 15 you know mm-hmm. yeah. but yeah so and and then you know uh band days followed and a lot of rehearsing rehearsing you know in in uh in the studio space that we had actually in our in our house and uh that was amazing and and I really I I it was just my life you know it was clear that this is it uh, I mean I was one of the the few people that that understood very early on that there isn't anything else and for me and you know I I still know that just on that note that that a lot of people kind of still have that question like what what am I here for what's my purpose what do I what, what do I want to be do I want to be like a what what's my profession you know yeah and and I, for me that was like done easy no question and and that and so the band days were amazing because they were collaborative and teamwork and 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 they were older guys in the band, five, ten years older than I was at the time. And so that was great. They they really taught me a lot. Yeah. And so and so after that, uh, at one point, I was like, there was a, a computer in the house. You know, this is like what, like early 90s, if anything, or late 80s. And yeah. and so and so there's a computer in the house. And not only that, but there was this uh, like tr- software that was so far away from Ableton, like what Ableton is today. Yeah. I couldn't even like it's it's just the more the most uh, like uh, basic you know thing. You remember what that software was called? Oh yeah, it was uh, some tracker, like Fast Tracker was one of them. 
So I've never heard of it. I'm sure it was. Uh, so it's basically like coding. So you're entering like code. You're so you're doing like, like literally code. Uh, but it's basic code. But it is not like playing an instrument or nothing of the sort. So it's like a really stupid version of Max for Lives. How I'm imagining it right now. <laughs> it's like right, right, something, something like that. And and you know, it's it's very basic. And uh, you know, and and then fast forward sometime. And, and then at one point, I I found. Um, Soundforge, and Soundforge was a, a software that didn't do any tracks. You know, it, it wasn't it wasn't a multi-track one. It was like one stereo, like so left-right kind of uh, uh, like editor. Like it's a it's an audio editor software, especially at the time. I'm sure it's more capable now or versatile. But anyway, and so I was like, oh my god, here because at the time everything depended on your sound card and interface, like how much memory it had, and and each sound kind of took up an amount of memory and so it was a lot of like calculating all, all, all the time but anyway with this with soundforge you could record whatever you wanted and that could be a part of your track and then i just could not believe that kind of that that just like you know blowed my mind and so that happened and and increasingly as as i was discovering this whole new world of of computer-based uh music making the the, the, the more i was kind of like easing out of the, the the playing in a band type of thing as a live musician. Also, the kind of the band just kind of was dissolved uh, dissolved at one point. So it just it made more sense for, for me to just kind of pursue this, whatever it, it was. At the time, I had no idea. It's, it's, it's a very different time as well. You know, this is like maybe early 90s where there is no internet at all. There is no emails probably at all. And so there is no things like, oh, hey, I don't even, didn't even know if there was anyone else doing something similar or, or you know what I mean? In the, you were not connected uh, like that. And so, but the, but the amazing thing about that for me was the fact that there is no rehearsals anymore. So it, there is no like, you know, we try to get it right every time with the band and someone always kind of screws it up and we have to go back and start from the same position or starting point and all that. And then we're kind of like really excited when it comes to the concerts and nervous and it's nerve wracking if someone's going to fuck it up. And I remember back in the day, yeah. I used to like my, my, my drumsticks sometimes kind of like used to fly, <laughs> fly off somewhere. So, that, <laughs> but that was like, you know, I got used to it after some time. So like accidentally, I just kind of threw one of my drumsticks, but then I kind of made it work. So yeah, so there was none of that. It was all pre-programmed, and that was beautiful for me as a someone that loves control. It was amazing. You could do whatever you wanted. And so what I did is, is I had a calculator. So I have a calculator next to my laptop, my laptop, well, desktop, the family computer. Yeah. And then I put in, I set a BPM for a tempo, and I was thinking if I want the snare to be on the two and the four. What's that going to be? Where do I have to kind of insert a snare sound? Because there is no grid here. Oh, it's in Soundforce, there's no grid. <laughs> there is no loops. Wow. There's nothing. So I was like, that, for instance, I had to kind of calculate or count everything, like all the syncopated fucking kids where they went. Yeah. And then so like here's the drum and the kick and the kick and the snare and the hi-hats and the bass and all of that. That's it was crazy. Wild. You didn't even have a MIDI controller probably at that time to even play in anything. And even if you did, the latency would be insane and weird to begin with. Exactly. Right? No, no yeah. MIDI controller at the time for for me. Maybe other people did. I I, I totally didn't. And but the but the cool thing was it, it was it was endless. The the possibilities for what for for the first time you could have put anything in there. I recorded myself 
kind of yelling, screeching, whatever I was doing, murmuring, mumbling, whatever. And then that, that was kind of part of the music, not in a push type of way where you could kind of slice things up or what obviously way more uh, kind of uh, basic uh, than that. That always that that kind of uh, signifies that the, the era of of saving a project, meaning that that was like a whole. I'm, I'm going to make a coffee right now and then have a couple of. I was smoking at the time, smoke a couple of cigarettes before I save it because once once you saved it, it was it was burned into like it was printed. So it wasn't like there's no going back. If you next day woke up and thought, oh, I actually kind of think the snare is a tiny bit too loud or I, I like. Compress it differently. Not that wow. I knew what compressor compression was at the time or anything. Yeah. It was all gone. So it was all printed into the file and that was it. That's amazing. I feel like that would bring you to a whole nother level of committing to your projects because I mean, there was no undo button. There's no do-overs. That's pretty wild. I feel like a lot of producers today and, and myself included sometimes have commitment issues, just even freezing and flattening. Because you're just like, what if I want to go back and change it and just tweak it a little bit? But clearly you didn't have that option to begin with back in the day. That's, that's true. But at, at the same time, I think I'm not sure if it's because of that or because I'm just the kind of person that I like to I like to feel that I put something on a table and it's now there. And I like that that kind of sense. If anything, I might even rush it. I'm not the type of... Um, of artists, I guess, that would kind of always want to go back and like, ah, I'm not happy with this. I want to re- kind of tweak things or I'm like, let's move on to the next one. I always feel like there's only so much you can do in one track. And then the next right. one is going to be teaching you more those lessons that you're not going to get out of the first one anyway. And so that actually what I'm explaining right now is, is I think it's a very kind of fundamental about the way that I work and or the way that I live my life, I guess. And that, that is for me, art is really a, a, a way to kind of process things and to live really and to understand my the world around me. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, by creating these tracks, and at the time they were not tracks. I didn't know what a track was. They, they were more like, I didn't even know what they were. But the process was this. I created something and then I saved it, whatever. And then when I listened to it, I would, I would kind of, I think a good like analogy would be if you're a, 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 like a, a painter or what's like a visual artist and you kind of doodle, you start doodling and you, you don't know what you're doing. And you're not even, there's no intentional kind of nature or, or, or components to it. You're just kind of doodling around and then you go away. And then the next day you take a look at your drawing and like, fucking hell, that's, that's a character. It's a person looking back at me that I created. I'm like, hello, like, who are you kind of thing? I was yeah. Meaning, meaning to me, I didn't have any chops, any skills, nothing other than being able to play the drums and understanding rhythm and some music and coming from a you know an instrumental like an instrument based live kind of background. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any like like any of the technology down, and so I was just kind of tinkering, like playing, like uh, screwing around, messing around, and just like oh here's this, the that, blah blah blah. Also. At the time when we went out and, and and there there was no like genres specified as much as they are now. Obviously, like you couldn't just look up, oh, what's Glitchha? Or no, maybe you could. Sometimes you could have a a, a a a a debate that went over for maybe two years over the fact if uh, what Glitchha is, for instance, because that wasn't 
but I mean, at the time there wasn't even Glitch Shock really, but, but, or something like who played guitar at this Beatles album or something. And you could kind of debate that over and over, you know, uh, with uh, a yeah. few friends and you didn't really have uh unless someone had the actual like CD or the vinyl or something. Yeah. But anyway, so back to the point, um, it, it was a very transformative, I'd say, um, kind of experience to kind of go back at something that I thought it was just kind of not consciously just uh, in non uh, just kind of putting pieces together. It it started this conversation between what I created and me because I was like, okay, so okay, so it looks looks like I'm I'm trying to do something here apparently. Let's let me try to help that process because then when I understood, I heard myself for the first time. I was able to kind of understand it better and then kind of try to help it to kind of achieve that thing that I was apparently without really knowing about it too much trying to achieve. Yeah. So anyway, so so um, there's a lot of back and forth uh, with that, and, and and I really liked just kind of like I said, creating one thing and putting it aside, and then and then starting a new one. Yeah, coming from that like like experimental. I mean, I don't know if ignorance is the right word, but like when you're starting to play with these brand new softwares that didn't even have a grid, and you were just like having this free flow creativity, probably really opened up like a whole new side of just experimentation in general with music in the digital realm. So uh, really interesting. Oh, at what point, kind of fast forwarding, did you get into Ableton Live or how did you hear about that? So kind of what happened in between what we were just talking about and then Ableton Live, there isn't really a too too much to kind of mention in, in as much as it's really just a transition from the first software that I used to the next one and the next one and then came Logic and then came Acid. It was called, uh, I think uh, it's called Acid that I used for a, a longest, uh, quite a long time. And then, yeah. and then at one point I heard about Ableton Live and I really didn't like it to be honest because I, the session view never, I just uh, didn't really take it too seriously, I guess at the time I was working in Cubase a lot and okay. Nuendo and Logic then after that. And, and then came for me uh, Ableton. And then, so what happened is that, I wanted, excuse me, to flip up to re reverse a sound in Logic. And it always took me so many clicks and so long to do that in Logic. Yeah. That at this point, I was like, and this is we're in probably 2009 or something, you know? So some 2008 maybe or something. It always took me so long, like five minutes or something or two minutes, whatever, uh, to kind of flip a sound. But because I thought that I was doing it the roundabout way, but there's, there's got to be a much easier way. It turns out that was the right way to do it. It just took that long. And I'm like, that's enough. So I asked a friend to kind of tell me about Ableton. And he kind of learned, uh, like, you know, uh, showed me the ropes in about, gave me like a crash course in Ableton live. For It took like an hour. And I was hooked. I was like, oh, this is amazing. And so that's what triggered a lot of the a lot of the the tracks really that I started putting out around 2009, yeah. and that's kind of that, that that I couldn't stop. I was just like creating, creating because it was so easy. It's like, yeah. oh my god, like I could just, dude. And even to this day, I'm 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 yeah. such an enthusiast when it comes to um, Ableton. You know, getting to these, con you know, arguments or whatever, like uh, debates, I guess, about DAWs and all that, and the Dawg Wars. And which one's the best and all that, yeah. And then, but the, but the, but you know, Ableton is is just fantastic because what I really love about it is how it uh, allows you to come up with a potential kind of route of the track to go a direction without having to commit to it. You can you can kind of 
preview it, going like, uh, listen, pre-listen, like, uh, do I like it? Actually, no, the different one, route B or trajectory B or, you know what I mean? And you can, mm. you can just, uh, you don't have to build and build and build something to go, ah, actually, that's not the way I, that's not the, the kind of direction I wanted to take this in. It's much easier to kind of throw something together, give it a quick listen and decide if you want to commit or not. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those dolls becomes more intuitive the more you use it. And it's not just because you're learning it, but I think with the updates, live has been really intentional with the the team of developers that work over there in Berlin of just continuing to innovate all the different new workflows that they've created over the years. Like yeah. comping is another example. Obviously, comping's been out for a while, but they've they've released that with Live 11 and even things like that, which is their audio effects that they've continued to to grow and expand on. Um, yeah. And so, totally yeah, 2009, that would have been like Live 7, probably when you got into it. I think that might be right. Probably somewhere like there, that. I think. like. So then when did you decide, I want to get Ableton certified? Like, when did that happen? So there's this school that I used to run in Hungary. It's called uh, Impro or Impro. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw at one point that th- this somehow came up in one of the, some, some like it just popped up in front of me that oh Ableton certification is a thing like we're certified trainers or something I'm like that's awesome I want to I want to do that and I want to get the school that status that we're a certified you know training center or something I was really excited to see what that um uh kind of how what the process was or that that was even a, a possibility for us and it's like a very small school at the time and so I I looked at the Ableton website and it, it said it said um upcoming um uh, certification events and then for these countries in Europe and Hungary wasn't listed so I, I emailed them saying like hey guys just wondering uh, I'd love to you know I'm very interested in getting certified and I just wanted to see how come Hungary is not on this list and they were like well it's not on the list because we kind of forgot sorry so it's kind of <laughs> funny because again you know about going back to like Hungary is like a small country it, it, it might get overlooked here and there and that's perfectly fine because it's normal anyway and so, so they were like but guess what? Now it's on the list. And, and so they put it on the list and uh, they were really cool too. Awesome. And then um, I think a, a little while later out in Berlin and, and doing the uh, the certification and uh, it was like a two-day event and I made some really good friends there and some friends that actually from Ableton who came over a bunch of times, like repeatedly over the course, I, I don't know, a few years, they, they you know, uh, we became good friends with some of the people there and because Essentially, and that's I think what really makes a difference with with Ableton is they are they're people that are just like us, like they're people that wanting to just kind of create and make music and and but they just happen to be working on this software that's awesome as well. And so yeah, so made some good friends there. They would come over to my spot in Budapest, and uh, I would host them, and that would be awesome, awesome parties for sure. And so uh, that led to this whole thing of. Whenever that was able to certify a trainer in uh, Hungary or something, I, you know, I always got a call from Berlin like, "Hey, there's a buddy of mine. If you wanted to kind of hang out and show him around or something." So I, I, I through them, I was able to make a lot of, uh, I guess, really important contacts. You can say, but really, more importantly, good friends uh, from all over the, the the world, pretty much. And then that kind of led to this partnership between the school and us. Uh, school and, and Ableton that that we kind of did like Ableton, I think it was Ableton 9 or 8 launch event with Ableton together. So there's like some of the people from Berlin kind of came over and they did like a demonstration and I did one too. And it was a whole big thing. And and uh, because 
Ableton didn't quite really have at the time like a much of a representation there. So kind of took it to the opportunity to to kind of work on something together. So it yeah. was a good kind of business and and kind of relationship and and a and a friendship as well. Yeah. Yeah, I know they're very adamant about that and just building community, especially with their user groups that they've really expanded on. Now there's, I don't even know how many user groups all over the world that have really True. blown up over the last decade. Yeah. Well, you wear a lot of hats outside of just Ableton. And I would love to talk about some of these other projects you've been involved with that are really cool. I'm going to give you a proper intro at the very beginning. I'm editing all this. But, you know, you've worked with some incredible artists that I like as well, like the Chemical Brothers and Glitch Mob and Tipper and Gorillas and Closey. I had Ill Gates and Mr. Bill on the podcast. I think you've done some mastering for them as well. Yeah. Yeah, all great people. You're also really into video mapping and you won IMAP, um, one of the world's largest video mapping competitions. Um, so how did you get into the whole video side and then maybe leading up into that competition and what that project looked like? So, so yes, and, and thanks for, for all of that. And uh, to be honest, before I kind of answer really the question, if you look at um, me starting this whole thing at the age of 14 and now I'm 44, it's 30 years. And so just saying that it, it does sound like pretty amazing, but you have to be able to show something for the 30 years, you know, for the three decades. So meaning there's going to be a lot of things that pop up. And, and one of these things, and sometimes these are very, uh, very, uh, random i guess or or you didn't see them foresee them coming whatever so so video mapping is is one of these where the opportunity just presented itself where um a hungarian um video mapping group and they were really into video mapping at the time they were kind of smaller now as far as i understand they're one of the biggest or mo- most I don't know, prominent, I guess, well-known maybe or something in the world. So they're really, really good. And so one of the guys there, the video guys, is someone that I went to audio school with, audio engineering school with uh, in Hungary. And he reached out to me saying, hey, uh, do you have any tracks? Or do you, because he knew that I, 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 you know, I stayed in the music thing. And uh, and so kind of reached out, uh, bringing me on. And yes, and then, and then it was super exciting, obviously, that we started working together and, and I'm not really in the video kind of part or component of it in any way, but it would be like a lot of uh, smaller to much larger projects where, uh, you know, creating like a projection mapping like events for like uh, Singapore, the, the, the like the government in like uh, Abu Dhabi or I, I don't know where, but wow. like, you know, where, yeah. where it was like a lot of different parties and political kind of components were involved as well. And then wow. oftentimes we would have maybe kind of come up with something. I, I remember <laughs> I, um, it was, it was, dude, it was so exciting uh, working on this because I would do things like, we would we were asked as the team we were asked to kind of create like the story of uh, Abu Dhabi or something uh, in a two minute video audio video projection mapping or something, and they were like, money doesn't is not a problem or no issue or something sometimes and sometimes obviously very tight but we love to hear that <laughs> exactly and so um and so when I and and as at one point for instance one of their buildings were bombed and then I created this really dramatic music to the, the 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 what the video was at the time uh which was basically the the building getting bombed and it was so kind of real that the 
the political parties or whoever that was involved, they said like, no, 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 we can't have it because we cannot show this. We cannot show this iconic building in that kind of, you know, tragic kind of state or something. So we have to dial it back. So the reason I'm saying it was really exciting to work with this is because it was, it was very applied. It wasn't like I wanted it like this and it was like that because it stayed like that. It was all, it was all kinds of different. Uh, you had to make sure that everyone was happy mm-hmm. and that I really enjoyed the challenge of, of that. That's really it. And then we worked on a, a bunch of projects and then I don't know, like, a, like about probably 10 of those. And, uh, and and IMAP was uh, was one of the the ones that I, I was able to actually go to and, and be there on the spot, and that was amazing. And I didn't quite even know. I think it was to be honest, it was a competition. I, I was just because I was working on this whole thing. It was like you know when you're in the day to day of the whole thing. I, I didn't really see the the larger kind of I guess picture where it was a competition. And and I remember it went down as like a stupendous amount of people there, like. I want to say like like twenty thousand or forty thousand or yeah, something amount of people pretty there. Huge. Yeah, it was huge. Yeah, and it was it was like mind boggling. And and then we were like, it went off. It was really nice. Like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, it was finished. And then there was another one, and then there, there were a few that went before. All all in all, it was like maybe like seven or eight. And then after the whole thing, about a few minutes later, they're like, hey, guys, you won. And we're like, won what? Like, I didn't even know what was going on. And so the next thing I know, we were like, we had this camera crew and everything kind of coming with us. And we were like, on this stage, there was like a pretty large stage. And there's like all of these people. And they were like, so it's, it's amazing. And and there was the, uh, the, the, the project manager, I guess, like an awesome, awesome dude. And uh he then said a couple of words and took the uh, the award and and thank you so much and I'm like wait what just happened that's amazing that's we why went, went back and sat down and then they're like wait you won the the there was two different uh, I guess awards that, uh, that they were doing uh, and one was the I don't know what and then the other was like the people's opinion or or whatever I, I forget now the, the 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 right term and so we won that one too but the funny wow. thing was and. Uh, same thing, camera, everyone, come up, good. And then the guy goes, all right, look, uh, we've heard from you before. And I was standing right next to him. And now can you just say a few words or something? And then it passes me the microphone. And I'm like, I don't, dude, I don't even know. Like, I didn't even know this is a competition, but I didn't say that, obviously. But it was kind of funny how how some of these things oftentimes are, you find out how much bigger they are than what they kind of, appear at the moment or something yeah. and, and it was pretty big and and i was super lucky and blessed to be a part of it for sure it was like a fantastic thing it's like the, the friendships and all of that that i made through through um uh limelight actually is that their name limelight uh limelight uh, pro- projection mapping and they're like an awesome bunch of people so we had a uh, some really good times yeah yeah, that's a really cool story. That's funny. It was like you just ended up standing on the stage, <laughs> having no idea how big of the scope of that prize or competition would turn out to be. Like that's totally that's funny. I still today, I think I have that that on my side on my website where I'm kind of like I think there's a big label like winner of IMAP or something, and I'm like talking <laughs> to a microphone, and I was like, <laughs> you know, if people knew that I had literally no even clue that that was uh, a, like a that big a thing. That's funny. 
Yeah. Sometimes life just hits you with some random encounters like that, where one thing leads to the next and you just find yourself in a place doing a project, playing a show, whatever, that just becomes way bigger than you actually initially imagined at the beginning. I've had that happen to me too. And that's, it's a very surreal experience. I feel like those are like good milestones that are important for artists to like have that encouragement to keep moving forward. You know, like where after that, you kind of have this like dopamine hit and you just get this high, whether it's playing a show, releasing a track, getting a ton of feedback. Those moments for me personally, it's just like when you put in all this blood, sweat and tears, sometimes it's easy to kind of like really question the meaning behind it and why you're doing it. And then you hit those little milestones on occasion. and It's just like, oh, shit, this is why I'm here. This is why I'm doing it, you know, and if you don't get that feedback on occasion, it gets really hard. Um no, no, dude, I, I couldn't relate to that any anymore. Like, I mean, meaning, yeah, I totally relate to that. It's uh it's definitely a struggle and it's it's definitely something that led me to kind of to my burnout. Uh, you know, I I, I got really kind of uh up to a, a point with this whole thing where I just didn't enjoy it anymore. Like yeah. and, and I'm still there, to be fair, to be honest. I'm 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 not really um enjoying uh, making music anymore at all mm. right now it's more it's I'm, I'm kind of taking this hiatus it's like a healing type of kind of thing that's happening yeah and and it's 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 kind of not ex- just because of what you mentioned but it is definitely one of those things where i think social media just kind of makes makes everything very different with you, you're trying to please algorithms that keep changing and you're trying to please other people and when you're just um, a person that's kind of an amateur, which is interesting, actually, um, the word amateur comes from the word um, lover, like amare, uh, I think in Italian, this comes from Latin. And anyway, but it's an interesting thing. I used to have this uh, lecture at my school uh, that the very first kind of uh, day of, of music production um, kind of program, I would probably like orientation or something. And I put up these two words, amateur and professional. And I would just kind of use that as like a trigger to like spark some sort of conversation and ask, you know, students what they thought or, or, or about just, you know, what kind of thoughts they had about these two words. And, and I thought that it was really interesting that, that amateur, it comes from the word lover, you know, lover of, of, of things. And, mm. and, and it, it doesn't necessarily say that a professional isn't going to love what they do, but it, it, it it's not implied that it's inherent. You know what I mean? Like it's, it doesn't, yeah. it's not necessary in there. It's yeah. just it's just a, maybe like an additional bonus component or something. And in my own story, what happened is is trying to satisfy other components rather than where I came from to music, which was that fourteen year old. Oh my god, I was hooked. That was different. That was that was more about experiencing something that's kind of like almost like a out of body type of experience yeah. or something in a sense. And that was uh, a way to process the world and the, a way to journal. And when you created a track that kind of defined your those weeks or something, and yeah. later, you know, fast forward 20 years or something, I was in this whole machine of, of agent booking, all of this is just turned into this system where, yeah. where I was trying to create as many songs or tracks as possible that were as easy to listen as possible because everyone is ADHD and, and no one has the patience anymore. And it's just, and it turned into trying to like be an entertainer rather than like an artist who's trying to say something. And I was like, 
screw this. And so yeah, I, I really, I, I didn't just kind of quit or anything. I, I just started working really uh, here in, in Los Angeles. I worked at a bunch of stuff when I got here a, a few years ago, but then I think I've been with the Los Angeles Film School for four years. And yeah. that's like a whole day-to-day thing. And uh, it just, thank the Lord, it doesn't, it it, it 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 enabled me to unlink paying the bills from making music, yeah. and uh, and that was uh, that was like the most liberating thing that ever happened to me. And and now it's I'm just kind of have this creative outlet of photography. And in the meantime, I'm kind of getting ready to to get back to uh, to music. I'm working here and there on some you know ideas, and and I've I definitely got more than an album's worth of material and. But here's the thing, like about a, a couple of years ago, I think I, I already had quite a substantial, nice amount of material. And then I started building this whole thing in my mind. You know, I was like getting ahead of myself again. Like, oh, I, I know who the label who would be the most interested in. and I would be the most interested in working with B in this case. And I was like, you know what? This is turning into that thing again, this rat race of trying to impress. And I was like, no, no, it's, it can be about that. And and yeah. I don't know how, in what shape or form, I'm going to release new music. Um, but I do know that I don't want to care, or I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want these business aspects or angles to have any impact yeah. on the on the art of what it means, on what it means to me, or or the notes, because that's the other thing. Like sometimes, like this is fucking great. I love these chord extensions, but then again. I know it's not going to work as much because it's going to throw people off because they're like, "Hey, do you want us to dance now or not?" Yeah, and I'm like, "Fuck this!" I and and I and I, yeah. I really can't uh, afford to care about that anymore. And so, whatever it's going to be, it's going to be about about me kind of um, just making sense of the world around me and not really give a shit, giving a shit about anything else. Honestly, I totally relate to that on so many levels. Because when I first started making music all the time, like I wasn't necessarily thinking constantly about what what is other people going to think or how is this going to be commercially viable and how is this going to make me money? It was more of just like doing it for the act of the love of doing it and just the playful learning aspect of it. And then as that grows, it's it's a weird paradigm for artists who want to make a full-time living scoring and producing music. I think unless like you're already doing it for like the commercial standpoint of like writing for TV or film where you're not taking full ownership of it because it's specifically for somebody else for another purpose. And so it's kind of a weird blurry line sometimes when like, I feel like a lot of artists are making music for themselves, but then also trying to write for a specific audience that they're trying to make a living from and with. It's a it's a weird thing. It can be a weird blurry line. And I totally hear you too, because I've been off social media on and off for like the last couple months just for my own like mental health and i think it's it's something like some people can be on social media every day and they're happy and they're fine with it other people it's sometimes a means to an end and for me it's just like i don't really necessarily care about like posting anymore because i'm not so concerned about everybody else seeing you know me and what i look like in my studio that day or whatever else you know and and Social media is an interesting, weird concept to begin with in my mind, because I think it's created a group think mentality where you're only actually seeing because of the algorithm people that are like you or stuff that you follow. And so people are just stuck in these little bubbles of like just looking at whatever it is that they're interested in based off of the interests of other people. And you're creating these little bubbles and groups from that. And 
I don't know. It's just a, it's a weird concept, but I totally hear what you're saying back to like your story of just, you know, taking a step back and pumping the brakes. Cause I feel like I'm at that point, honestly, right now in my career too, where I'm just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I like teaching and I'm going to keep doing that. Cause that's my money. And I'm going to make artwork when it's like a true creative expression. I don't feel the pressure to have to do it. Totally. That's a healthy place. I think for most artists to be and just sitting in that, but that's my experience. I, I t- totally, uh, what I'm, what I'm saying and what I'm experiencing, I know that it's like a global collective thing. I know that because, because it's, it's easy to tell. And if I had to sum up social media, man, I just had this kind of thought where you were uh, explaining what you were just saying. Social media teaches you to be stupid, I think. It really, <laughs> it really does, man. It, it does. It leads yeah. you down the wrong paths. It teaches you how to do things in a not meaningful way. I mean, it's like, dude, I can I can read a book today without retaining any of the information. So the things that I'm I I started doing some time ago is is doing like Audible, for instance, like listening to something like a, a good book through you know as an audiobook, and at the same time, kind of taking notes and then going back to my notes and kind of trying to explain to someone else sometimes my. Uh, my fiance happens to fall victim of that. You know, she's like, oh my God, what again now? But, you know, like I, I tell her what I just read and, you know, compare that with TikTok. I'm not having a go at TikTok. I'm sure it's fucking great. And a lot of people get a lot of kick out of it. But at the same yeah. time, you just scroll and then days later, it's like, what have I? Yeah, you kind of like get a, a good sense of popular culture for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. So there's a, you can get a lot out of it, but at the same time, are you really doing something meaningful in a meaningful way? And I don't think so. I think you're just being dumber and dumber, <laughs> and and you just it teaches you how to be stupid. I I, I hear that. I I think a lot of it has to do with the intention behind why you're using it and what you're using it for. Because if I'm if I'm just trying to post because I know I have people who really love my art and they respect me and they care about what I have to share in the world because it brings them joy, then I think that's awesome. You know, for me, being willing to put up the time to do that at my own expense is a whole nother conversation. But I think it does have its benefits and disadvantages. Have you ever seen The Social Dilemma? I did see that, yeah. Uh, that was a fascinating documentary about the, the psychological effects of social media. That was, anybody listening, if you haven't seen that on Netflix, I think it's still up. I highly recommend going to check that out. It sheds a lot of light into what we were talking about. For sure. Totally, and I think in there is like they 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 discuss this moment where the like button appears, and it is such a pivotal moment, man. Because all of a sudden, when there was a like button that was uh, like attached to anything or everything, all of a sudden that became whatever you said, whatever you contributed to anything had a quantifiable popularity meter attached to it, mm-hmm. which is. Fucking weird because because yeah. it's it's that's what I'm saying it's it makes you stupid because it it misleads you if if it only if it worked like uh, real life it would it would make more sense but the algorithm keeps changing as well and oftentimes you might say something like sup homies and you get 500 likes <laughs> and then you might you might go okay so that's 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 kind of good you you as a human being yeah. you understand your environment reaction to what you said so you kind of draw a conclusion that somehow that was like a a thing to say that 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 had a certain reaction sure. but it's not in any way guaranteed that the same 
thing is going to have a, se- a similar even reaction because of algorithms and yeah. all kinds of things. Like, I, and whereas if I'm at a bar and I have, or wherever, and I have a conversation with people and I say something that didn't have a lot of people's reaction and not, I didn't get a round of applause, but there was one person that looked at me and that look is going to stay with me for like 10 years to come or something that might define the whole kind of uh, chapter that follows because it was so significant. That's, that's all the, the, these are the things that typically Hmm. not in every case, but typically get kind of uh, full, full by the, by the wayside on, or easily kind of uh, just kind of go wrong and and on social media. No, it's a weird thought. Like the emojis are basically modern hieroglyphics, right? Like, you can't it's hard to have a meaningful conversation on twitter like because you only have so many characters you can post so if you actually truly want to engage and have like an experience with somebody can't really do that in like what 120 characters or whatever it is it's like really really difficult to do because it's very short minimal conversations with just like a rock fist emoji or something you know i think for me it comes back to that intention of why am i using it and like am i really trying to connect with somebody I think social media can be great as a networking tool for just like jumping into the DMs of another artist that maybe you want to collaborate with or something. But yeah, it's a weird, sticky thing. Really, Here's the thing. Um, I would totally, totally agree with that. And of course, I'm just kind of knocking social media and it's, it's not, it's not like the evil thing. It's, it's obvious, you know, it's, it's much more complex than that. And, and I was the other day, I remember my girlfriend, fiance, she was working on something. I was working on something and I just somehow, uh, Siri kind of started playing somehow like recommendations, I guess, from like the nineties trip hop music. And dude, it was so interesting because it was the only type of, uh, and in the playlist, you know, random, like kind of recommendations were coming through and everything was distract. Everything was annoying because music from today, by the way, so much happening in, in music today. Like there's a cut, there's a, a new something happened. There's a change. There's a new pattern. There's something goes out. Something comes in. There's a breakdown. There's a yeah. drop and all of that. In, in music of of like modern music and and I, I kept saying like next track next track next track and then at one point I was like oh this music is is perfect for what we're doing which was we're just kind of not trying to be like this like fucking everywhere ADHD we didn't we were in a state where we didn't need a new stimuli every like five seconds yeah. we were chilling we're chilling, and so it was it happened to be trip hop type of music or genre from from the '90s, and I was like, "Oh my god, how how different is this?" At the time, everything were was more patient, you know. And and yes, uh, you're right. Twitter, it's true. It's difficult to have a meaningful conversation there, but it's of course it's not the uh, the not the root of all evil. Of course, it's just the yeah. the world that we live in today, which is no one really has, seems to have the time or the curiosity or the level of interest or, you know what I mean? It's, it's, mm. it's, uh, it's just a different word and I'm not trying to knock the world now and say it's no, bad. No. I love the world today. I think it's a, uh, it's yeah. pretty awesome in so many ways. I'm very happy to be living in, in today, but, mm. but uh, it's just very different obviously than, than what it used to be, which is fine as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's so much easier to connect with people today than it was even 10 years ago by far, just through, just through the internet in general and collaboration too with uh, programs like Mixed in Key. Um, they're like cloud collaboration software. I forget what exactly what it's called. Sessions, I think. Mm-hmm. And like other even DAW. 
cloud collaboration platforms has really opened up a whole new world for connecting people. It's really interesting stuff. Yeah, I mean, as far as upcoming projects go, what are you mostly focusing on? You're still at the Los Angeles Film School. Yeah, I'm still there. I I work as the program manager for music production, and that really keeps me like really busy um it's a lot but it's 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 very challenging and i and i really welcome the challenge it's it's very complex you know we have 700 students like coming back to campus in january and yeah. you know that's going to be an interesting time and and uh, as well so so it's something that's very uh keeps me busy it's good busy as well i live in a in a in a kind of mindset where Everything that is not photography right now kind of seems an interruption of from kind of seems like, why do I got to do this right now? I wanted to go in and take photos. And that's great. You know, I, yeah. I know that it's it, I know that it's not only good when you can do whatever you want, because I used to do that for 30 years. I was like, well, I kind of feel like making music. So I did make music that day. But um, it doesn't always uh, turn out in your favor. So long story short, kind of kind of doing uh, working during the day. And then, and then going and taking photos and trying to make sense of the world around me uh, through my my photos and uh, and you know typically over the weekend. As far as plans, um, musical plans, I have this whole material sitting on everywhere on hard drives, and some of them I don't even know where they are. But um, but yeah, so I, I don't even mind because I kind of feel like if something kind of um, falls through the cracks, then it does. And then there's going to be new ones that are probably better ones or something. So I'm taking it very chill and very um, like relaxed and laid back when it comes to like, what what do I want to do? I don't want to commit to anything, meaning I don't want to say like, next year I want to put out an album because I'm going to start stressing myself out and thinking, oh my God, it's March and I haven't even started yet. And I definitely don't want to do that. You know, this has to be a very organic thing. So I'm literally kind of looking at it, whatever that is, my creative urge or like instincts itch to just to to start kind of come on. And then I'll be like, oh yeah, okay. Long time no see, buddy. Let's, let's do this. And um, before then, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And and I'm, I work on a lot of mastering these days, to be honest. I mean, that's that's something that has never really stopped. And that always gives me, you know, some amount of, um, it's very rewarding, you know, to do that because it's relatively, fairly easy. It's, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's, it's not, it's typically not too difficult, but it's difficult enough so that people come to other people to to do it. So like yeah. me and other mastering people. And that's nice. It's a good way to hear new new music as well. And um, so yeah, mastering is definitely one of the things. And sometimes I have I have like a students, like a private uh coaching. I I do that through my uh website. So sometimes someone finds me there and uh, I think I have like one student at the moment that still we're gonna have like another class uh, final class with and and uh, you know that's that's that can be kind of a nice little you know, um, something music related that, that kind of allows me to get my feet wet again in this thing, but doesn't, I don't have to get too committed in it. So probably next year I will, might have something out. Um, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Do you have any favorite projects that you have mastered like recently or even in the past? I I definitely worked with, uh, some really cool, I I don't want to name drop. So I, I, so I, I, I don't want to say like, yeah, that name, that name was good yeah, because that's sure fun. it's, but, but at the same time, 
I don't think anything necessarily stands out. It's more it's more of a thing where it, it the diversity of the tracks and, and types of music is what's kind of I think fulfilling and mm-hmm. working with someone and working towards their vision. <laughs> and again, I'm talking about this kind of perspective rather than really answering the question. But yeah. but 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 my my kind of answer to the question is it's a very exciting um, thing to do mastering because you have to understand the other person's uh, perspective and, 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 and angle that they're coming at the whole thing from. And, and uh, you have to kind of try to identify everything that serves that vision and everything that doesn't and whatever it does, you have to kind of want to amplify it and you want to enhance it and everything that, doesn't really serve that purpose then you have to try to kind of tuck it under or bury it or or reduce it or eq it or whatever you want to do to to kind of make it work and that's in that sense it's a it's not a music production as much i guess like uh maybe but it's more like audio engineering uh aspects of things which is really contributing someone else's uh working on someone else's vision with with Mm -hmm. your kind of expertise and bringing whatever you have to to offer there. So that's, that's awesome. So that to me, it's the whole thing rather than really the individual project. Yeah. It's really its own art form. Like when I've done mastering, it's, it's fun because it's like the final icing on the cake before it's like brought out into the rest of the world for everybody else to hear. So you get to like sprinkle your little like sprinkles on top of the cake and just like push it out as the final last thing before it's done. Yeah. And honestly, I'm, I'm, looking for another mastering engineer at the time so maybe i'll hit you up in the near future for some of my tracks if i ever get around to finishing them (laughs) for sure for sure yeah no i i definitely enjoy that process i think it's uh it's 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 really awesome and and i like it when it's it's not too busy as well it's it's weird man it's meaning things need time to breathe that was my problem with with making tracks as well is uh always having to come up with the the latest release or the you know and with with mastering, it's uh, it's it's. I'm very happy that it's it's not like my main bread and butter at the moment. There's always like there's one project, for instance, that I'm currently working on, and there's something lined up. Meaning, there's always kind of something happening, but it's a nice and steady flow, and I really appreciate that. Yeah, well, I mean, the quality of work that you've been putting out over the last many years has been really solid and um, was like listening through a bunch of your glitch hop tracks from back in the day on YouTube today, just reminiscing. And yeah, man, would uh, love to hear some more tracks in the future whenever that timing is right for you. And I really appreciate you being on the podcast. I want to respect your time. I know we're well over the hour mark. And yeah, this has just been really cool to meet and hang out with you. You're, you're a legend in a lot of respects and a lot of different realms of audio and music production. So last but not least, if if people wanted to stay connected with you online, where's the best place for them to find you? Thanks so much. First of all, man, I really appreciate everything you said. It's, it's, uh, so thank you. Yeah. And, um, and um, the I, I think really my website is the best to go to. Or the best place to go, which is AMB Music as one word, ambmusic.net. People can, I think, go like find my Twitter and my my Instagram there, my Facebook. I probably I do a lot of um, not a lot of, but do some sort of uh, blogging there, which often tends to be things like cool Ableton tricks or like production, like production uh, or things that I feel like I want to write out of myself or something like an update or like a, my photography, for instance, I, I talked about that for a bit. 
and then but there's a lot of like uh like music production related like tips and, and techniques and and uh, and all that and uh, yeah and also instagram there i think and then people can just right there kind of drop a line and uh, and reach out to me like that so that's probably the best way i mean dude like yesterday i don't even know how on my phone somehow i i opened or it switched to my amb facebook and i had all these unread messages there and it just got me so again like kind of humble because i'm like oh my god i, I have these people reaching out and i you know and so i don't really read uh, or or look at or log on to my facebook for instance very often and when i happen to sometimes by accident then it's awesome but website is probably the way to go okay yeah well, I know I speak on behalf of a lot of people that appreciate your music and your art. So Thanks, hopefully man. we can see some more from you in the future and looking forward to it. Me too, man. Definitely. Thank you. Awesome. Cool. We'll enjoy that warm LA weather. It's like 20 degrees outside in Indy. I was, <laughs> was going to say, where, where, are you, uh, where are you logging on from? Well, this might be premature to say, but late February, I'm looking at moving to Denver. So oh, dude, be that's awesome. a little closer to you because I'm in Indianapolis right now. Oh, gotcha. Oh, so nice. Going to the more west side of the country. I love Denver. It's such a cool, vibrant place. I it's such a I actually contemplating between Denver and LA at the time. Really? But uh ended up here. But Denver is always uh always a treat. It's yeah. uh you know the community is really strong there too. It is. Yeah, I mean, I'm blown away. I was there for the Denver Ableton user group. They had the first one back since COVID uh, in like two years or so. And they they were nice enough to invite me to come out. And so that was amazing. There were nine certified trainers there, which is like unheard of. I think that's like one of the only cities in the country, the US for yeah. sure, that have nine certified trainers in it. Yeah, that's it's it's uh, it's almost like this podcast is... It's kind of one-sided, I uh, and and I would love to hear your kind of journey and story. And oh well, thanks, man. No, I I honestly get a lot of joy out of just talking and learning from other people like yourself right. doing this podcast. I I feel yeah. like I started this podcast originally as just for my students, and now mm-hmm. it's become like not only a good tool for just networking and meeting people, but I feel like I'm constantly learning. So. Yeah, yeah. I was. I had the same thought about um, of you know um, doing that in photography. There's a lot of people that I really want to genuinely connect and ask them how they you know do things. And mm-hmm. and by the way, that's something maybe uh, to be uh, I can add to this whole thing. And you can decide whether to believe it in or not. But the the most amazing thing about photography or or doing something that you start from scratch after pretty much to some extent, mastering uh, another like uh, art form. What I mean is after 30 years, you, you have certain skills under your belt, obviously, because if you didn't, that would be a big problem. You know, 30 years is kind of substantial enough. So after 30 years doing something and it, it be, be going from one place to a very different kind of uh, place um, and giving th- that whole journey, and then all of a sudden you're starting something from scratch and then you again feel that, anxiety that comes from not knowing anything like how do i do this what's uh you have so many questions yeah so many questions and that's a good thing and if i can <laughs> recommend or if there's people listening and we're trying to kind of uh get some sort of recommendation from me or something i would say embrace anxiety sometimes meaning anxiety is such a negative word and it is i understand it's probably by definition negative but 
when yeah. you push yourself out of your comfort zone, there's there's anxiety there. That there's going to be things that's going to be uncomfortable, and mm-hmm. you feel like you know everything, which which is very easy because because to fall into that mistake and make that mistake because really the, the rest of the sentence is I know everything that I need to know to create this type of music or that type of music. But you, you get to that level where you think like, oh, I'm kind of like a pretty much good now. I, I'm kind of solid. I'm, I, I'm kind of, I can do whatever I kind of would like to do. Yeah. And the person that thinks that they know everything learns nothing. You know, this, it's in that sense, certainty is the enemy of growth. And, and I always liked to, and that's that's the most liberating and and, and kind of uh, thing, I guess, about, about photography for me. It's that this new art form that comes with a shit ton of uncertainty and a hell lot of, uh, you know, anxiety and questions and doubts. And is this good? Is this bad? Am I shit? Is this, any, you know what I mean? Like, who knows? And and that's awesome. And that's fantastic. And, and you know, it's it's important to to try to kind of enjoy whatever it is that you're in rather than trying to always get to the, to the end of the journey, because now as a, as I'm starting photography, especially, but I'm, I'm, I'm making a very conscious effort to find a way or multiple, several ways to enjoy it, to have a good yeah. time with it. And it's really enjoyable, but if you just kind of when oh my hang on a minute I'm, I'm feeling a little bit a little nervous that's not a good thing because in this culture in this society these things are labeled as as not good things mm-hmm. fuck that it's 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 really good yeah. sometimes embrace embrace these things because out of your comfort zone is where life happens and if it, it happens in a nerve wracking way <laughs> no one hundred percent I could not agree with you more I think a lot of the culture and society as you were saying is is based around instant gratification. And, oh, then, yeah. and when you're learning something new and especially technical, it doesn't really work like that. You know, it's easy to get anxious. You know, for myself too, when I first started learning Ableton Live in the beginning, I, there was many times I just wanted to pick up my computer and throw it out my third story window of my apartment. And I'm glad I didn't, first of all, because MacBook Pros are expensive, but also because, yeah. <laughs> but also because you know, I, I'm here where I am today because I kept persevering. And I'm sure you've had students as well that just get frustrated and give up. And that's happened. And it's like, well, you'll never know if you were good at it because you never actually persevered. So, and that for builds, sure, for sure. builds character too, right? The more you persevere, your character is going to grow with that because you're getting discipline and kicking your own ass. So. For sure. No, definitely. And yeah, no, t- totally, totally. I, I'm, I'm glad that you, uh, I, I feel like you're we're totally on the same page. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's just something I think if, if, if you're been doing this for some time, then it's, it's really, there's, there's some kind of conclusions that you can draw. And I think I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's, it's not a surprise that we kind of come to similar conclusions or, or you know, realizations yeah. of it's a whole collective thing that's happening, of course. And we live in the same world and we're so you might be there. I might be here and distances really doesn't don't don't really mean much anymore. You know, these yeah. days it's all we're totally connected through uh, social media and whatnot. So um, yeah. no wonder we find the same things. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I have tons of respect for what you do and what you're doing. Same, same man. Thank you. Thank you very much uh, for joining the podcast. Happy holidays. Oh, dude. Thanks, man. You too. Recording this right before Christmas and all the other holidays people celebrate these days. So (laughs) cool, man. If I'm in LA, I'd love to hit you up and maybe grab coffee. Oh, for sure. For sure. Who knows? Maybe a brew. Yeah, let's do it. Or a couple. I'm down for it. Cheers. All right. All right. Take it easy, man. 
Hey, thanks again, everyone, for listening to the podcast. Make sure you follow Ambrus in the show notes. You'll find links to his website and among other things. Also, if you can take 15 seconds of your time, I would appreciate it if you would like, subscribe, follow, wherever you're listening to this podcast. It would really help me out. If you don't hate it, leave a review, and that would be fantastic. Also, don't forget, if you want to join the community, hang out with me, ask questions, interact with other people listening to the podcast and using Ableton Live, then join the Discord. Go to liveproducersonline.com slash Discord. You can also hang out with me on the gram under my artist name, Philia, at Philia Music, P-H-I-L-I-A, Music. Also, if you want to discount purchasing Ableton Live, go to liveproducersonline.com slash buyableton. More info on that there. Last but not least, if you would like to join the newsletter, I will send you new updates when the episodes are coming out, among other freebies with Ableton Live racks, sample packs, other stuff, and other things that have to do with my Ableton training membership. So yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Much love. Have a fantastic week. Go make some bangers, and I will see you in the next episode, usually dropped on Tuesdays. So stay tuned, everybody. Bye-bye.